So without further ado, I want us to welcome Pastor Cassie. Cassie is our worship pastor, and she's going to be uh, speaking to us today and giving us a little encouragement. Thanks, Emily. Well, good morning, everybody. Hi, here we are. We're still here. We're still hunkered down, wearing masks on day, what, 142-ish of Groundhog Day. It still feels really unreal to me that our lives are so vastly different than they were five or six months ago. We haven't all experienced the last few months in the same way, but whether we've been impacted by COVID and the various phases of lockdown in small or large ways, we've all been impacted. I've yet to talk to anyone who hasn't felt at least a little bit traumatized by the effects of this pandemic. And I don't use the word traumatized lightly. A recent poll was done by uh, the Kaiser Family Foundation and it showed that almost half of Americans feel that their mental health has been negatively impacted by COVID, which is a huge number. A federal emergency hotline was set up for people in emotional distress and it has a more than 1000% increase in calls this April compared with the same time last year. What we're collectively experiencing is trauma and that can impact us in different ways. We may feel like we're fine one moment only to have trouble concentrating or feeling hopeless or getting irritable the next. If you're someone who already experiences PTSD or complex PTSD for whatever reason, new trauma like social isolation and disruptions to our daily lives and routines can trigger symptoms and re-traumatize us. No matter the life circumstances, my friends who are single or partnered, parents or child-free, working from home, working from work, unemployed, everyone is stressed and uncertain and just kind of over it. It's exhausting, this waiting for what? Our new normal? We don't even know. And not knowing is a difficult space to occupy emotionally. Uncertainty disrupts processes in our brains that regulate our routine actions. So this disruption creates conflict in our minds, and there are all sorts of things that can happen as a result, like anxiety, catastrophic thinking, elevated cortisol. So basically, if worry is a fire, then uncertainty is gasoline for that fire. Some researchers even believe that fear of the unknown is the fear from which all others arise. So living for months in this state isn't doing any of us any favors in the short or the long term. So what is it that can keep us going when we're in the middle of what feels like an endless trial? We've spent some time exploring Exodus through the lens of liberation theology for the last few weeks. We've talked about the necessity as Jesus followers to undermine and disrupt systems of oppression and to begin and continue to identify and challenge white supremacy within ourselves. We white Christians are challenged to pivot from seeing ourselves as the oppressed to seeing ourselves as the oppressors. I'd like to hone in on something, <clears throat> excuse me, that I noticed is a common thread woven throughout the book of Exodus and the stories contained within it. Hope for the Israelites was always present. The hope that they would make it, the hope that God would take them from captivity, captivity under Pharaoh into freedom, despite what they were experiencing on a daily basis. The hope of brave women like the midwives, Shifra and Pua, who saved countless babies' lives, and Miriam, who saved her baby brother's life and allowed him to be reunited with their mother. These stories and the entire book show us brave people envisioning a reality beyond current circumstances and clinging to the hope that that reality could actually exist. Pastor and author Nadia Bowles-Weber recently posted a video to her Instagram page where she spoke about unprecedented hope. In that video, she talks about her 44-hour labor with her child, how difficult it was, how she had to, quote, reach back to my four sisters to grasp their strength and fortitude, unquote, repeating to herself, every woman, every woman, 
every woman, reminding herself that every woman who has ever given birth has experienced this, and if they could do it, so could she. This idea of leaning on the collective past experience of others to bolster hope in our own souls is so nourishing. This very world we live in now has seen pandemics before, diseases of body and also of heart, diseases of systems and power structures, diseases that lead to evils like slavery and genocide, not to speak of our own personal challenges and traumas. Usually the way out is through, and we know this, right? But what we neglect to remember sometimes when we're really going through it is that the way through is paved with a collective full spectrum of human experience. We're truly not alone in our suffering. Sometimes we have to wait for hope to arrive, like many of us during this pandemic. We're waiting for experts to lead us safely through this global health crisis, waiting for treatment or a vaccine, perhaps waiting for test results or for a loved one to get well. Sometimes hope drives us to action. We imagine a world that is safe and equitable for everyone and we protest because it isn't that yet. We call our representatives and we demand change and we donate to organizations that are fighting for that change. Then sometimes we can hit a hard reset after we felt our big feelings, just deciding to focus on our desired outcome. We imagine what's possible or at least a sliver of it and that's enough to keep us going. My son is going into his freshman year of high school like probably some of you or children that you know, and gosh, what a way to start high school this year. His greatest joy in life is playing football. And to imagine the possibility of no football this year was too much for him to even consider. Instead of giving into hopelessness over his circumstances, every day during quarantine, he would run routes in our yard or do workouts to stay in shape. Once quarantine was lifted, he got a small pod of his teammates together for safe, socially distant workouts. He has never allowed himself to not hope that he would be able to play football this year. He'll be disappointed if football is canceled, sure, but he would have been disappointed if he hadn't worked to get ready also. Regardless of the outcome, I've loved seeing his dedication to his desired outcome, his hopeful heart, and his refusal to give in to despair. Then there's me. <laughs> the day after my birthday this year, March 23rd, was the day that Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer issued the statewide lockdown. That was also the day that I had a non-COVID medical emergency and I found myself needing to go to the emergency room at midnight, of course, as it always tends to be. My parents and my kid's dad all fall into the high-risk category. So my kids and I had been quarantining away from them for a couple of weeks already, but I was in a really desperate medical situation. I'm not married and not living with a partner never really bothers me. I enjoy my own company. <clears throat> I've always been fiercely independent. But that night, sick and genuinely scared for my life, I found myself in this really impossible situation where I needed help and there was no one to ask without possibly putting important people in my and my kids' lives at risk. For the first time I think ever in my life, I felt completely alone. I've certainly felt lonely plenty of other times in my life in and out of relationships, but that pandemic aloneness just hit me differently. The hopelessness felt crushing. The end of that story is that I ended up calling my mom to come hang out with my kids. No one got COVID and I have a clean bill of health now. But when I got home from the hospital, not knowing how or when things would get better and realizing that if I wanted to make it through quarantine, I knew I would need a daily reminder to myself that I'm truly never alone. I stuck this verse to my fridge. Isaiah 41.10, fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. 
It's still on my fridge and it's helpful to be reminded daily that the same God who has seen me through all kinds of struggles and trauma, she continues to be with me. And those times of struggle weren't always pretty and I wasn't always rejoicing through my trials. Sometimes I barely made it, but I made it. And how comforting the idea that this God who loves me and cares for me will strengthen, help, and uphold me when I feel alone and dismayed. The Hebrew word dismayed here can also be translated to anxiously look about. I'm very fortunate to have a wonderful mom. And if she had ever said to me when I was upset as a child, don't be dismayed, don't anxiously look about because I'm your mom. I would have felt so relieved and safe because experience has always shown me that I can trust her to care for me. That's how this verse hits me. Don't be dismayed because I'm your God. I'm the one who has been holding you and helping you. And I will continue to do just that. I have shown you that you can trust me, right? That is where my hope originates and is the wellspring from which hope continues to sustain me. So there's a fine line to walk when we talk about hope. When I talk about hope, I'm not suggesting simply looking on the bright side or ignoring or minimizing uncomfortable feelings in favor of excessive or toxic positivity. This is not true hope. Pretending that we're okay when we aren't, trying to good vibes only our way out of our uncomfortable feelings or blowing by those feelings isn't really hope. I've spoken before about how unhelpful religious platitudes are. God won't give you more than you can handle or everything happens for a reason. Sometimes life is more than we can handle and sometimes stuff happens for no reason at all other than life is hard. Hope isn't about placating ourselves with cliches and powering through our pain. Hope comes when we know through our own experience or through the experience of others who have gone before us that we are held. Hope dares to imagine a situation greater than the one that we're currently in. Hope gives us courage to fight, whether for justice for the oppressed or just to get out of bed. Hope allows us to see the light at the end of the tunnel or at the very least imagine that there is in fact an end to the tunnel. If we're trying to be hopeful and ignoring our true emotions because it feels bad to feel bad, then we aren't tapping into the hope from the source that connects us, God, Holy Spirit. The real challenge then is to feel the pain, fully acknowledge its presence, and receive the hope that is always available to us. We can be hit over the head with hope, but if we can set the stage for receiving it and it benefits us in other ways too, that's a good place to start. So how do we make space for hope? I feel like I'm really selling meditation every week, but that's because it's an easy way to connect with ourselves and with God and to tap into the source of breath and life. Acknowledging how we feel comes with first taking the time to evaluate how we're doing. We have to be still and listen to our bodies. We've been doing a lot of meditations during our church services because it has so many benefits to us. When we stop and give some time and attention to ourselves, listen to our bodies and allow our emotions to exist without judging them, that endless loop of mind chatter, the to-do lists, the worries, the daily grind stuff, that all gets quieted down so we can hear what we need to hear from God and ourselves. Plus, our brains reward us with happy hormones. Spending time outside and in nature, if possible, is another stress reducer and mind clearer. Our anxiety decreases the further away from concrete we get. So get to the park, the woods, the lake. Reach out. Try to connect with a friend or family member, or you can join one of our virtual groups here at Blue Ocean. If you find yourself spending a lot of the day worrying, you can set a worry appointment. Set a timer for 20 minutes. Give yourself permission during that time to fret about all the things that are consuming you, but just during that appointment. If something stressful pops up during the day, write it down, save it for your appointment, and that'll help free up some emotional space during the day. 
find a verse, a poem, a quote, or a piece of art that centers or inspires you and stick it in a place that you see often. Let it be a reminder to not accept any circumstance as final. Call your doctor or therapist if you're really struggling. Sometimes we need hope man or help <laughs> managing our mental health and knowing when we've hit that emotional wall and asking for help is an act of bravery. In summary, this sucks. <laughs> we don't wanna be here, right? I don't think one person here wants to continue carrying on like we've had to. I miss you all. I miss being at church. I miss coffee shops and crowded beaches and hugging my friends. We're doing this because we have to for our communities, our families, ourselves, but that doesn't make it easy. So here we are and it's exhausting and we feel done, but imagine what it would feel like to hope. Paint a picture in your mind or on paper if you want to of your desired outcome. Will this experience make us more empathetic? Will it allow us to place more focus on things that actually matter? Will it help us appreciate and move to appropriately compensate the people who actually keep our society going? Will it inspire us to not take simple pleasures and conveniences for granted? Will it be the push for us to dismantle diseased systems of power? Will we find the cure for more than just COVID? Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, the former chief rabbi of the UK, currently professor of Judaic thought at NYU says, quote, hope is a signal of transcendence a point at which something beyond penetrates into the human situation. There is nothing inevitable or even rational about hope. It cannot be inferred from any facts about the past or present. Those with a tragic sense of life hold that hope is an illusion, a childish fantasy, and that a mature response to our place in the universe is to accept its fundamental meaninglessness and cultivate the stoic virtue of acceptance. Judaism insists otherwise that the reality that underlies the universe is not deaf to our prayers, blind to our aspirations, indifferent to our existence. We're not wrong to strive to perfect the world, refusing to accept the inevitability of suffering and injustice." End quote. I want access to that kind of hope, a hope that doesn't accept my circumstances as final and gives me permission to believe that change, justice, and healing are possible. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in her so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This word hope in Greece is elpis, which means expectation, trust, confidence. So may you overflow with expectation, trust, and confidence by the power of the Holy Spirit. We've been here before. Let's be gentle with ourselves, connect with our bodies, make space for complicated emotions, and be filled with hope that comes from our connection to God and each other. So I'd like to go into a time of meditation. Last week, I added in a resiliency building skill called resourcing, where we imagine ourselves in a space um, that's safe and happy and just notice how we feel in that space. So I wanna try that again this week with a similar meditation. And as always, you can choose whether or not you wanna participate. So if you're up for it, let's get comfortable wherever we're sitting can close your eyes, place your hands in your lap. Feel your body in your chair or on the floor, wherever you're sitting. Take a deep breath in through your nose. And when you're ready, exhale through your mouth. Keep up the slow inhale and exhale and feel free to go at a natural pace for you.
Now I want you to imagine yourself in a place where you feel at peace. It might be a physical place like beside a creek or in a fishing boat or in the woods, or it could be an emotional place to go, like just with a person or a pet who you love, for example. Visualize yourself there, really engage your senses. Feel that deep sense of peace and rest in your spirit. Hold on to that feeling and keep breathing deeply at that nice, nice, slow pace in through your nose, out through your mouth. Really let that feeling of peace and safety settle into you. Now allow yourself to bring to mind something that you're grateful for. Allow that feeling of gratitude to grow. How does gratitude manifest itself in your body? Where do you feel it in your body? Pay attention to that feeling. Keep breathing. As you breathe, hold on to that feeling of gratitude. Stay in your peaceful place, continue to breathe. Focus on keeping your breath nice and slow. If other thoughts enter your mind, just notice them and then come back to center. One more minute. Take one more breath in and out. Amen. Great job. I miss you all. I love you all. Hang in there. And now Emily will do our candle lighting.